Well, good morning, everybody. Please uh, turn in your scriptures to Luke 11. We're going to be dealing with uh, verses 1 through 13 this morning. Let's read through the scripture and then we'll pray and then we'll get started. Luke 11, 1 through 13. It happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, give us us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. Then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, And goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me from a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside, he answers, Don't bother me. The door has already been shut, and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though you will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, Yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he asked for an egg, he would not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Father God, I pray that you would enlighten us this morning with your word. Open our hearts to a good understanding of what you're trying to say through these scriptures. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. So here we are. There's some really familiar stuff in this scripture verse, in these verses here. The first thing we get into in this is the Lord's Prayer. And when we think about the Lord's Prayer, though, this is not the scripture verse that we normally go to. We normally head over to Matthew 6. And in fact, we see a difference between this particular verse and Matthew 6. And I think the reason for that is because the difference in the reasoning behind the writing and the difference between the people. Luke is a historian. He's writing this for his friend, his most excellent Theophilus. And he's trying to teach him about the ways of the kingdom and the things of Christ. And he's hitting the high points. Matthew, in his verse, he walked with Jesus. He's quoting Jesus. He's giving you the dig-in details. So let's head over there for a second. Go ahead over to Matthew 6. And I want to start in verse 5. Because Matthew does dig into the details. He's going to give us quotes from Jesus. Jesus is going to teach us the things we should do, and the things that we shouldn't do when we get ready to pray. And he starts off with the stuff we shouldn't get into first. 
He says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. Now, it's 2011. Our definition of hypocrite is somebody who does contradictory things. It's, it has a real negative connotation. I'm not sure it has that here. Hypocrites in Jesus' time were actors in the theater. That's what the term means. And if you think about actors in the theater, what do they get paid for? Language and the use of it for saying their lines. You know, even today, if you talk about actors in TV or movies or whatever, their pay scale is based on the number of lines they have and what they're saying. If they don't have any lines, they're on a certain scale. Like if they're an extra or whatever, there's a certain pay scale that they get for the amount of time that they're in the movie. If they have two lines, they jump up a pay scale. If they have ten lines, they jump up another pay scale. And if they have more than ten lines, then they're on a whole different thing. They're, they're one of the featured artists. In fact, they may even get listed in the credits at the, at the beginning or the end of the movie. But they get money for the number of lines and the words that they say. The number of words that they say. Jesus here is talking about that. He says, when you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on street corners so that they may be seen. They're actors. That's their business. They like to pray like that because it puts them in the public eye. He says, don't be like them. Truly, I say to them, they have their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And to your Father who sees what is done in secret, He'll reward you. I haven't done a whole lot of research on this, but I believe this is where our tradition of closing our eyes, bowing our heads, and folding our hands comes from. Because we can't always get into that secret place. So we create it right here. We're not trying to put on a big show like the actors. We're trying to just get in that place and have that conversation with God. So we shut out the world by closing our eyes. We bow our heads, which makes us unavailable to anybody else around us. And in reverence, we fold our hands so that we're not busy doing something else. We show God that we're focused on him right at that moment. And we pray. And then we get into the, into the prayer. It says, It happened while Jesus was praying in a certain place that after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. So we're back in, back in Luke 11 now. I want to say one last thing about the difference between the two. There are differences between the prayer. Uh, there are elements that are not in Luke that are in um, Matthew. There are a couple of, couple of things that are different. And I don't think it's, uh, uh, I, I think it's just because of Luke's perspective. He's dealing with it um, third hand or second hand, and, and Matthew's dealing with it first hand. He was there. He was a witness. Um, but anyway, it says, Lord, teach us to pray. This actually was a fairly common thing for disciples, students, to ask their teacher, Rabbi. Rabbi, teach us to pray. There were common prayers of the day. Rabbi, teach us this prayer. We want to know how to pray. We want to know how to pray this prayer. And they would learn the common prayers, and the rabbi would teach them. But it was rude. 
to interrupt the rabbi when he was praying. So they would wait till he was done. And that's why it says, Lord, teach it. And when he had finished, they asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. And he said to him, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. I don't think this is a prescriptive prayer. I don't think Jesus is saying, say these words and you're good. I think these are categories of things that we should do. When we pray, we should try to fill these categories with our prayer. Father, hallowed be your name. Holy are you. We're so grateful for who you are. You're in heaven and we are just, you know, grateful for everything that you do for us. Hallowed be your name. The thing that Jesus does to make this prayer different is he starts it out with Abba, Dad, Father, our Father. When you pray, pray our Father. This whole different relationship. Prayers before that, these guys would be taught, God, hear our prayer. Jesus says no. That's an intimate conversation between you and Abba. Daddy. And Gunnar talked about it when he went to Israel this past year. And, and it happened to me while I was there. I really didn't, you know, we'd sung the songs, Abba, Father, you know, Abba, Abba, Father. You hear those songs and you hear those words in the scripture. But until you're walking through the streets of Jerusalem and you see a little one about this big, going down the street, going, Abba, 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 after his daddy, or her daddy, it's like, oh, I get it. I get it. This is a relationship, an intimate relationship between a child and the father. And this is the relationship that Jesus has with God. It's that intimate child-parent relationship. You know, the the no holds barred. I love you no matter what. You know, there, there are no conditions on this love. My daddy loves me and I love my daddy back. You know, and and that's what Jesus is telling us to put into this prayer. Our father, dad, Abba. Holy are you. When he says that word hallowed, though, it's a, it's. Your name should be exalted. We, we want to hold you holy. And, and it says, in the present, God's people could hallow his name by living rightly. And how they would not hallow God's name would be by living wrongly. By doing things that would profane God's name. And you say, help me to live right... Daddy, I want to hallow your name. I want to live rightly before you. Abba, Daddy, help me do this. Help me hallow your name. He gets into the next part of the prayer. And he talks about, give us each day our daily bread. I don't necessarily think, and it could be, but I don't necessarily think he's talking about bread. 
He's talking about that day-to-day stuff that we need to sustain us. That that day-to-day interaction that we need to have with God. That day-to-day, and, and it just might be food. But that day-to-day, I got to get this from you, otherwise I'm not going to make it. Got it throughout history has done that day-to-day stuff. When, when the Israelites were wandering through the desert for 40 years, there was day-to-day. Daily bread was manna. And it was given every day. And it was only good for a day. So you had to have your daily bread. Give us each day our daily bread. That, that thing that we need daily to sustain us, to get us through. Our basic need. And then he talks about, forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. In our tradition today, we hear the Lord's Prayer, and we either hear sins, debts, or trespasses in that section. And, you know, depending on which church you go to, you get confused, you you're, you're, you're saying the Lord's Prayer and sometimes you're hesitant in that section because you're not sure which word they're going to use. You hold back a little bit until you hear it and then you, and then you can join in. You know what's, what they're going to do next. But sins and debts in the original Aramaic language are the same word. So they're interchangeable for them. And I think the, 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 the English word that we stick in there, trespasses, probably means the same thing. So we... Help us, uh, forgive us our sins, forgive us the debts that we have. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted or has sinned against us. Has sinned against us. We, we want to be able to do these things that are in this prayer. These categories of things. Help us to not be that sinner. Help us to not be indebted to somebody else. Through our sin. They say that prayer. Teach us to pray. This is a common prayer. Teach us to do this every single day. So that we can be better people. Now the next section of this scripture verse. Is probably some of my more. I love this Lord's Prayer. Don't get me wrong. But this next section. Because it involves persistence. It says, then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and goes into him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me from a journey and I have nothing to set for him, set before him. And from inside, he answers and says, don't bother me. The door's already been shut and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. In that society and in a lot of societies today still, hospitality is a big deal. A big deal. Back then, if you couldn't be hospitable, and you go all the way to, from the stories of Sodom and Gomorrah, all the way to this particular story in the Bible, and hospitality is a thing of contention in some places. They want to be hospitable. If somebody comes to your house, they would, you know, keep a lighted lamp in the window if your house was open to visitors and guests. That tradition went all the way into the Spanish missions here in California. They would raise a lamp in the cupola. So that people, so that visitors and travelers could see the mission from miles and miles and miles around. So that they could come there. 
And that sense of hospitality was open even in the missions in California in the 1800s here. So that sense of hospitality. The other thing that happens is these are small communities. We know Larry's wife, he's a, she's a great baker. And he's got good fields, so they've got extra flour. So when Linda makes bread, she makes four or five extra loaves, more than they need. She bakes her bread every morning. I bake my bread every morning. My wife is a good cook, but she makes enough bread for us for the day, but we never have any extra. People in the community know that stuff. That word gets around. So when I have somebody come to my house from out of town, the tradition is I'm not going to give them a loaf that's already broken because that loaf, the part where it's broken, starts to get stale. There's no preservatives in it. I'm going to give them a fresh, unbroken loaf. So what do I do? I run over to Larry's house, bang on his door. Hey, Larry, I need a couple of loaves of bread. I got somebody just came in from out of town. Larry goes, hey, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. it's midnight. And the kids are already sleeping. Um, and you got to get this. The doors of the houses were like a big hunk of wood that they would throw up against. It's not like hinges and all this. They would throw up against the opening. There would be pad eyes in each side of the door. And they would basically slide a big hunk of lumber across to secure the door in place. And the kids would be sleeping all around on the floor on mats because it was hot and, you know, that was the coolest place for them to be. And I'm banging on the door at midnight. Hey, Larry, I need some bread. Please don't make me a poor host. (laughs) Stop, you're going to wake the kids up. And we all know that, you know, and I was talking about, you know, Gunner and Anna with the kid when they came back, the kids were waking up at like 1:30 in the morning because they're all jet lagged and stuff. You know, let sleeping children lie. When they're sleeping, leave them be. You know, the thing you don't want to do is wake them up, especially in the middle of the night. Well, here it's midnight. Oh, it's that Rick again from next door. Gee. What's he want? He wants bread. Maybe it'll go away. Larry, I need some bread. You're going to wake the kids up. Larry. Okay, fine. He gets up, slides the thing out of trying to be quiet so we don't wake the kids up. And because of the persistence of this man knocking on the door, he gets his bread. He's my friend. He doesn't want me to be a poor host. He just doesn't want to get up in the middle of the night. But I've got to be persistent. I've got to keep knocking. I got to keep banging on that door. Jesus said, knock and the door will be opened. You know? Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Okay, I'm knocking. Larry, I need that bread. Okay, I'll get up. And he gives me my three loaves because of the persistence I've had. Maybe because he's just fed up listening to me knock on his door. But because of that, because I have not let it go. You know, I think of, I think of Andrea and, 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 uh, um, and Susan in Italy. One percent of the population in all of Italy, and probably most of Europe, 
You think about the history of Italy. It has an incredibly religious history. Not necessarily Christian, but certainly religious. Our roots are there. Our roots as Protestants are in Rome. We, you know, we're like blonde with dark roots. Our dark roots are Catholic. If we're Protestants, we come out of the Protestant Reformation from Martin Luther. Martin Luther was a Catholic priest. You think about the Sistine Chapel and the, and the uh, Leonardo da Vinci and Michelangelo and all the painters and all that history that's in Italy and now 1% of them? And I think of Andrea over there. Knocking on the door. In spiritual warfare. Hammering on the door. Not wanting to give up because he wants to save the people of Italy for Christ. Not giving up. I can't. I can't give up. Now I got to think that maybe he doesn't even care that it's 1%. Maybe he cares that it's 1%. If I could save 1%. If I can keep one of them from going. I think about Lot, you know, bargaining with God. Well, you know, maybe there's 100. Uh, What if there ain't 100? Well, maybe if there's 10. Well, how about if there's one? You know, maybe there's one. It's, we, you know, knocking on that door, being persistent, not giving up, not wanting to allow even one. Think about our own country. How many people are in Valley Center? George Barna, the guy that does all the Christian statistic collection and all that stuff, a few years ago he did a thing where he, he checked out the whole country And I think he said there was like 65 or 85% of our country were professing Christians. I think it's probably more like 65. Um, But he said half of those don't go to church on Sunday morning. Now, not evangelical, but I mean just professing that they believe in Christ. Half of them don't go to church on Sunday morning. Could you imagine how different our church would be is each one of our families, or each one of us individually, or just even each one of us as a family, committed ourselves to inviting one person that would stay. Now, you might have to invite ten people to get one to stay. But you could, can you imagine if we set a goal for ourselves, an individual goal for ourselves, to invite one person that's going to stay? You know what's going to happen by this time next year if we reach our goal? We'll have three services. You know what happened to us if we keep that goal going for a few years? We'll be the mega church in Valley Center. You know, we have to hire extra pastors to help Gunner. Because he'll be exhausted just kind of keeping the chair straight. <laughs> it's just, it's, you know... You, That persistence can't give up. Constantly knocking on that door. Not allowing that person to say, don't bother me, I'm in bed and the kids are sleeping. 
No, I'm not going to let it go. I'm going to keep knocking until you open the door. I'm going to keep knocking until you open the door. I don't care if it's midnight. And maybe it's not really the midnight of the clock. Maybe it's that midnight time in our life. You know, that time when things aren't necessarily going right. That time when we're not sure when we go to work on Monday morning if we're going to get a layoff slip. We're not sure if the stock market's not going to drop 523 points. We're not sure what's going to happen next. Could be that midnight when somebody's knocking on your door. You might be the guy who's having your door knocked on. Get up. Says, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because of his friend, yet because of the guy's persistence, he'll get up and give him as much as he needs. And then he says, so ask and it'll be given. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. Persistence, not giving up. Not allowing yourself to quit. Not allowing yourself to quit. And we get into the last part of this. It says, now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead, will he? Or if he asks for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? And I kind of pondered over that one. Why would you even consider an egg and a scorpion in the same, because scorpions are usually little red or brown things about this big. And I, I did a little research, and I actually found out, I guess, in that part of the country, they have white scorpions that are about the same color of an egg. So those, those scorpions just creep me out. So It's like the story of the scorpion and the frog. You guys have heard that story? You know, they're on one side of the pond, and the scorpion wants to get to the other side of the pond. So he says, well, tell, you know, he asks the frog, he says, well, let me climb on your back. And I'll ride over to the other side of the pond. The frog goes, I'm not going to do that. You're a scorpion. So finally, the scorpion's persistent. And the frog finally gives in and says, fine. They get about halfway across the, across the pond. Scorpion stings a frog. And they both die. And as they're dying, the frog goes, we're both going to die here. Why did you do that? Because I'm a scorpion and that's what I do. It's like, really? So it says, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to you? You, you know, your, your, your child comes to you and asks for something good. Are you going to give them something bad? Hey, Mom, can I have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Nah, go eat this raw apple instead. Or go eat this, you know, rotten apple instead. You're not going to give... Your kid asks you for something. You're not going to give them something terrible in a place. You're not going to do that. He said, and he says, how much more? I said, you're evil. You're a sinner. How much more is God going to pour out the Holy Spirit on you? God's not going to give you something bad. Even though you're evil. Even though you're a sinner. 
God's going to pour out something good on you. He's going to pour out the Holy Spirit in your lives. So where do we go with this? You know, in our lives, as adults, we, most of us learned the Lord's Prayer when we were kids. And we say it these days almost rote. We don't even think about it. It just rolls off our tongue and we don't even consider it. But kids need to know it. They need to be taught it. They need to memorize it. They need, in fact, they need all kinds of scripture memory. I teach my kids in school and I tell them all the time that when they stub their toe or something bad happens to them, the first thought that pops into their brain after that happens is their default. And I said, the more you study Scripture and the more it becomes part of you, the more time you ponder on it, the more thoughts that go through your head on the Scripture, when you stub your toe, the first thought that comes to your mind is that Scripture verse you've been thinking about and working on. That becomes your default. You want those bad times in your life and, and, and even those good times. Oh, man, I'm feeling really good right now. And that first thought that comes to your mind is a Scripture verse that you've been thinking on and meditating on and memorizing. You want that. You want the default in your life to be Scripture. So the kids need to know it. They need to learn it. They need to memorize it. And we as adults, we need to relearn it. We need to take those categories and we need to think about them. We need to... We need to work on those in our lives. We need to not let that roll off our tongue like it's something that we memorize and we've done a thousand times because we have. But we need to let those words kind of like roll off a little more slowly with a little more thought. When we, when we say them, do we mean them? You know, I had a pastor friend of mine tell me one time, when you pray for rain, carry an umbrella. Don't leave the house without one. It says, when you pray for something, pray for it like you hope you're going to get it. Pray for it like you know God's going to answer it your way. The uh, couple of stories to end with. It says, don't give up. So, a lady in the church who invited her neighbor to go to the services, this goes back to persistence, invited her, service, invited her friend to go to services, kept count of the times her neighbor refused. And it came to 49. She pleasantly mentioned the count to her friend as she issued her 50th invitation at the time of a special meeting. At first, the friend decided no. Again. But later, she called and said she would go. She said, if you're interested enough to ask me 50 times to go, I'll go with you just to see what it's like. And she went. And she liked what she saw and heard. And she kept going back. And she was converted. All because that person was persistent and didn't give up. And as for prayer... One Wednesday evening in the five-year-old Bible class, it came time for some animal crackers. Here we'd use goldfish, right? But in this particular Bible class, they used animal crackers. And a lady asked one of the little boys, a teacher, Joey. She said, Joey, will you lead the prayer for the crackers? Of course, it was always so precious to see the children pray. And as Joey bowed his head, 
Along with the other children, he began a most thorough, sweet prayer. Dear God, thank you for my mommy, my daddy, and my brother, and my sister, and great-grandmother. Thank you for my teacher. And God, thank you for the animal crackers. Joey stopped right there in the middle of the prayer, and everyone to get, began to get a little squirmy and restless. And he waited and waited, and finally his mom quietly asked Joey if there was something wrong. Joey slowly raised his head and in a very low whisper said, are we going to have anything to drink? His mom said no. And immediately he bowed his head again and said, amen. He said, what a lesson in prayer that is for those adults who ritualistically, like we do with the Lord's Prayer, ritualistically roll through leading prayers, not really being conscious of the needs of those around them. Joey thought about that drink. Are we going to get it or not? Should I pray for it or not? If we're going to get it, I want to pray that we're going to, to be thankful that we're getting it. But if we're not, I don't, I don't want to have to worry about that. Joey was thoughtful in his prayer. Joey was thoughtful in our, his prayer. We need to be thoughtful in our prayers. We need to pray to our daddy. It's, it's not, it doesn't need to be this fanciful conversation, you know, with all these giant words. You're having that in, intimate conversation with your daddy. He knows what you need before you ask him anyway. So just talk to him. Pray. Please pray with me. Father God, we're so thankful for this word. I pray that you um, just continue to bless us through it. And Father, as we go um, through our week this week, I pray that you will continue to pour out your Holy Spirit on us and so that we can be a blessing to you and a blessing to those around us. In Jesus' name, amen.